I will be talking about how we evaluate and how we treat or manage patients who had originally localized prostate cancer treated with either surgery or radiation, and now their PSA has been increasing recently. I just want to point out that I prepared these slides together with Dr. Peter Carroll as well. No, no disclosures. And, uh, you know, again, just want to uh, remind everyone that this is how I see my patients when they come to my, to my clinic. I'm always thinking, is this the first time the patient has had prostate cancer and this is the first time they are seeing their providers? And they could have localized or node positive or metastatic prostate cancer, or this, the patient has had previously localized curable disease, but treated with radiation or surgery, and now they are coming back uh, with PSA recurrence. Again, within each of these categories, there are different subcategories. Just to tell you again that prostate cancer is different from one patient to the other, and there's so many different combinations of presentations and stages and grades. So it's very important that we really understand that what are the disease characteristics of each patient. For, the, for this talk, I'll be focusing on these two scenarios. Patients had previously treated initially curable disease they, and they received prior radiation or prior surgery. And as you know, patients with this kind of localized disease that was treated, we usually do PSA uh, follow-up. The standard PSA checks according to the guideline, whether surgery or radiation, usually three to six months, the first two years, and then every six months, the next three years, and then annually thereafter. Despite the criticism of PSA, it remains an excellent um, uh, oncologic markers. It's actually the most commonly used oncologic markers, not only in prostate cancer, but also among all other cancers combined. Again, despite it being an excellent, um, an excellent marker, it is not perfect. It does not pick all cancer cases. And even when it's high, this does not mean that there is cancer. I'll give you some examples that increase PSA. For example, prostatitis or urine tract infection artificially increase PSA. If you have a Foley catheter, which causing an irritation along the urethral tract the, and al along the inside the prostate, this will cause increased PSA elevation. This is not cancer. Prior ejaculation, or any vigorous massage of the prostate will cause uh, PSA elevation. This is why in patients who still have their prostate in, we tell them no ejaculation for three for at least three days prior to PSA testing. Somebody asked this question in the in the in the in the attendance. Also, the larger the gland size, independent whether it has prostate cancer or not, this may cause PSA. And finally, and this is very important, in patients who had surgery. And, and they have residual benign gland on the pathology, they may have very small and stable PSA. And this is extremely important in how we assess the PSA after patients who have surgery. Not every elevation in the PA, although the majority of elevations, especially sustained elevations, mean that there is cancer, but not every elevation is a cancer. We have a, a good chunk of these patients with, with benign gland. Now, um, we have a patient who are treated with, prost with prostate radiation or prostate surgery. 
and they followed well PSA, after a certain time, the PSA will increase. We call it either PSA recurrence or biochemical recurrence. And actually, this is relatively very common. Whether you do surgery, and this, these are the charts from UCSF, this is UCSF data, whether you do surgery or whether you do radiation, there is a lot of patients who will have PSA recurrence, but it's very important for us to understand and for me to stress out that PS, the majority of patients who have PSA recurrence do not have, will not die from the prostate cancer. There is lots of salvage options. There are lots of treatments for when the patients come back, but it is a lot, it is, it is true that a lot of patients will have PSA recurrence. So let's start with patients who had initial treatment with radiation. So let, let's go over this, this graph. I, I made these graphs when I was a resident with a co-resident of mine, but I think they are very useful here. So let's assume a patient at time zero, you see the time on the x-axis, at time zero, they had the radiation. And this is the PSA amount. This is just an artificial, I said 100%, whatever it is, it could be 10, it could be 20, it could be five. But once radiation is delivered at time zero, we expect the PSA to drop after radiation. Now, this is very important. PSA after radiation does not drop immediately and will not necessarily go to zero. The drop, the drop is very slow and takes time. The PSA will get to the lowest level, which we call the PSA nadir, around two to three years later. And then we follow, as long as the PSA remains at nadir and does not increase, then we are good. And the best nadir is debatable, but some people will say there's some data to suggest that patients who undergo SBRT or brachytherapy, the best level would be below 0.2. Some patients who have like the standard radiation, 20 treatments or 40 treatments, the best level is 0.5. Does not mean a higher than this level is bad. It just means as long as it's stable and not increasing, this is a good sign. Now, sometimes, especially between nine months and 18 months after radiation, the PSA will increase. We, this is a benign PSA bounce. The, uh, and actually, this benign bounce, it happens in about one-fourth or one-third of the patient. Usually, the PSA increases by about one value. For example, if the, if the nadir was 0.5, it will increase to 1.5, and then it will drop. This is completely benign. Nobody really understands what's exactly going on, but people believe it could be related to delayed radiation within the prostate. But anyway, the most important thing again is that the PSA will come back to the nadir level. And we continue to follow over a long time. Of course, some a certain percentage of men will have a sustained PSA increase. You see this green dotted line here. This is very important because a sustained PSA increase without coming back, without being a true bounce, once the, once the value hits the nadir plus two, so if the nadir was 0.5, once the value hits 2.5, we're going to call it biochemical recurrence. However, now in the era of PET-PSMA, we usually don't wait until it's 2.5. If we have mo monitored a sustained PSA increase, then we just start our evaluation for biochemical recurrence earlier. Now, let's go over this algorithm. Let's say somebody had PSA rising after radiation. What do we do? First of all, we make sure it is not a bounce. How do we do that? First, we monitor for two or three times, like maybe every month or every two months. And if the PSA does not come back down, 
or if the of the PSA these change in PS this increase in PSA happened like two to three years later, which is a little bit outside the one around one year for which is typical for bounds, then we start thinking biochemical regardance. We are thinking about two kinds of patients. First, early rapid rise. The patient finishes their radiation, and immediately after radiation, the, radi the PSA does not go down or it goes down, but immediately after the radiation is start to increase. This is actually very alarming. If the PSA immediately after the radiation or within a very short amount of time increases, this is telling us that the radiation did not hit all the spots. For example, if we irradiated the prostate only, it may mean that there is cancer in the lymph nodes that was not irradiated. Or if, it, if, we, hit the, if we treated the lymph nodes and the PSA started to increase, uh, then it, me it may mean that there is actually cancer outside the pelvis. We get the PET-PSMA and we treat accordingly. Let's say uh, the patient was treated and five years have passed, the PSA nadir has been stable, but then you get a late rise and the rise is slow. Then we have two cases. A patient with a poor health, we probably don't want to be very aggressive in their management or in the workup. Somebody who have a poor health, probably in our health, in our thinking that the prostate cancer is not going to affect their survival, so we may let it go. However, in, like in the majority of patients, the patient, patient, our patients are relatively in good health, so we'll do different kinds of workup, MRI, PET, PSMA, and we possibly can do a biopsy. And then based on these findings, we may, we may treat. Now, there are different locations of recurrence. The cancer can come back in the prostate, we call this local recurrence, or in the lymph nodes around the prostate, regional recurrence, or outside the prostate completely in the bones. And I'm going to go over these three scenarios and how we manage them. First scenario, patient had previously radiated to the prostate and now with local recurrence. Local recurrence, again, means that the cancer came back inside the prostate. For these patients, of course, we get a PET scan and an MRI. And the PET scan and MRI showed that there is no lymph nodes, M0, and no cancer in the bone, M0. And we do a full biopsy of the prostate and targeted biopsy to map the location of the cancer inside the prostate. And then we get a good evaluation of their urinary function and bowel function. If all of these are favorable, we talk to them about treatment options. For these patients, there are different options, salvage radical prostatectomy, salvage focal therapy. Since I'm a radiation doctor, I usually talk to my patients about salvage brachytherapy. Salvage brachytherapy, usually in UCSF, we offer salvage HDR. And we do salvage HDR either to the full gland or to part of the gland, depending on how our map of the recurrence uh, showed. Now, uh, I, we do have a great experience in UCSF with this treatment option. The outcomes are relatively favorable for a treatment in the recurrence uh, settings, and I'm happy to share the, the, the studies uh, about this. Now, scenario number two, patient had prior radiation to the prostate, and now the recurrence not in the prostate, but rather in a lymph node outside the prostate. How do, we, how do you treat that? Two options. If the patient had radiation to the pelvis before, meaning the lymph nodes were irradiated, we usually cannot go back and irradiate all the lymphatics because two radiations, big field is not a good thing. So what we do, if possible, we do stereotactic radiation to the lymph nodes. We locate where the lymph nodes that's coming back and we treat it only 
pinpoint radiation to that area. And we almost always refer to our colleagues in medical oncology to talk about hormone therapy, consider also additional hormone therapy like the pills like Zytiga, which Dr. Small started talking in the beginning. Now, if the patient did not have prior pelvic radiation, if their previous treatment was only to the prostate and the lymph nodes around the prostate were not irradiated, we have two options. Full pelvic radiation, irradiate the, the lymph nodes, but avoid the previously irradiated prostate. Or again, just like we said here, just pinpoint radiation to the lymph node. It's really not very clear which one options is better at this moment. There is a big study now enrolling to try to understand this question. And today, my preference, if possible, to do full pelvic radiation if we can technically do it. But again, since there is lymph node recurrence, I would prefer to offer hormonal therapy for these patients. And I also refer to Dr. Small and his team to consider adding Zytiga if, that, if they think it's possible. And again, here the referrals, just to consider my, uh, this is a gray area still for these additional hormonal therapies. Now, Finally, the last scenario, patient had prior radiation to the prostate and now the recurrence based on the PET scan or the CT scan is in the bone. We also dis differentiate between two kinds of recurrence in the bone, either patients who have five or less bony sites or five or more than five sites or a lesion in the lung or the liver. Bones is different than visceral lesions. Uh, we believe that the outcomes of patients when their cancer in the bone is a little bit better than when the cancer goes to structures, organs like the lung or the liver or the brain. The treatment of options for patients who have cancer in their bones or outside the pelvis, that's the base the, the, the base therapy is hormonal therapy, and definitely we refer to medical oncology to consider additional hormonal therapy, but radiation could be helpful. In the oligometastatic setting, so patients who have limited disease, and Dr. Feng will very much elaborate on this topic, we may consider radiation to those spots. And I will not go into the detail because Dr. Fang was going to talk about this extensively. Patients who have multiple areas of bones, we only reserve radiation for palliation if there's any like obstruction of urination or bony lesion that's causing pain, et cetera. So this is the only role for radiation in this setting. Now, let's talk about a patient. We have spoken about patients who had prior radiation. Let's talk about patients who have prior surgery. A similar graph to what I've shown you is after, now after surgery, again, at time zero, the patient finished the surgery. We start with a PSA of 100. And immediately after surgery, we, we expect the PSA to, to go to undetectable. There is some, uh, there are, there is some uh, exception though. As I told you, there is a small percentage of patients who will have benign glands that left over uh, during the surgery. Their, P, their PSA is not going to become undetectable. However, it will be very slow and it will be sustained slow. These patients probably do not probably, they do not need radiation therapy. However, with follow-up, anytime we have sustained increase of PSA, we are starting to think about radiation, about, about possible salvage therapy. And radiation could be delivered alone or with hormonal therapy. So let's get into the details of the scenarios that we have here. 
So the first question, actually very important question. Should we deliver radiation to patients with undetectable PSA after surgery? This is debatable in, in the medical community. However, there are three very large clinical trials from Europe, from Australia, and from the US. And they have shown that for most patients with prostate cancer and undetectable PSA under, after surgery, adjuvant radiation is not helpful. However, uh, we from UCSF, uh, me and Dr. Carroll, Dr. Fang, and Cooperberg, we have collaborated with some, uh, some colleagues from Hopkins and Harvard and, and, and from Germany, and we have shown that there are some categories of patients who may benefit from treatment with radiation, even with undetectable PSA after surgery, specifically those who have cancer in the lymph nodes and those who have multiple high-risk features, such as not only one of these, but multiple of them. Cancer was in the seminal vesicles. They had a very high-risk Gleason score, nine or higher, or they have high-risk genomics, which also Dr. Fang is going to comment on. Now, let's talk about detectable PSA, biochemical recurrence. So for biochemical recurrence, this is also a little bit debatable even among the community of radiation uh, radiation doctors. Most radiation doctors outside USF, you get a biochemical recurrence, patient goes to radiation immediately. In USF, we take a step back and we, we, we try to individualize the therapy a little bit. In patients who have positive margins, meaning we know that there was a little bit of cancer that was left behind, or the cancer was in the seminal vesicles or outside the prostate, these patients probably are going to need radiation, so we send them for radiation. Now, patients who don't have margins, so we're always thinking, why did they have, why are they having a recurrent, why do they have, where is the PSA increasing? So if you don't have margins, so we prefer to monitor for a little bit. We don't monitor for a long time. We monitor until the PSA is 0.15 or 0.2. This time of monitoring actually may vary. Sometimes it is in the order of a couple months because the PSA is growing so fast, or sometimes it could be in, in the order of years. And sometimes the PSA remains very low, which brings us to the theory that some of these patients have residual benign glands and thus they probably, they don't need radiation therapy. Once we get to a PSA at 0.5 or 0.2, 0.15 or 0.2, we usually get a PSMA scan and we treat based on the results of the PSMA scan. Now, it's very important that a negative PSMA scan does not mean you don't need radiation. A negative PSMA scan tells us that there is no visible cancer in the prostate bed, and you probably need radiation to the prostate bed. More than 85% of patients with negative PSMA will have a drop in their PSA after radiation, indicating that their, the cancer was microscopic in the prostate bed. And finally, this is a new paradigm we're testing in UCSF, uh, just uh, um, in patients who have lymph node disease, but no high-risk features where the prostate was, we may consider omitting prostate bed radiation because this is where most of the side effects of the radiation happens. So let's go into the details of the, of the scenarios. Patient had prior surgery, now with PSA recurrence. We do our workup, ultrasound, CT, MRI, or PET scan. And if the PSA, again, very important, these two words are extremely important, sustained increase in PSA, then we offer radiation to the prostate bed. Again, even with no disease detectable on PET. And the radiation could be offered with or without pelvic radiation. This is a long discussion. And the radiation could be offered with or without ADT 
also long discussion. Now, while the optimal timing of salvage radiation is unknown, but we do know from some data that we bet it's better to start at lower PSA at around 0.2. Now, again, it's very important that it has to, we have to see increasing PSA. A small non-increasing PSA does not necessarily require radiation therapy. Now, the second option, the, the second scenario, patient had prior surgery and now they have recurrence in the lymph nodes in the pelvis. Again, there are two options, either full pelvic radiation or SBRT to the lymph nodes to pinpoint radiation. Also, these patients will benefit from hormonal therapy and we send them to Dr. Eric Small and his team for to, to talk about additional hormone treatment. Finally, patients who had prior surgery and now they have discount recurrence, very similar paradigm if they had prior radiation, we also divide them into oligometastatic or poly polymetastatic. The base of their treatment is the hormonal therapy, but radiation therapy could be used. And this is the, the talk for Dr. Fang. And that's it. Thank you so much.